Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by TaylorMade. I'm Rex, he's Lav. Two weeks of live golf. But before we get to the bigger picture takeaway from the last two weeks, Lav, give me your highlights from Sunday's match with Tiger, Phil, Tom, and Pete. I certainly thought Tom Brady was the MVP just from the sense of the, the roller coaster ride that he was on from hitting some unspeakably poor shots to, to then inexplicably pulling one out and hitting some really clutch shots down the stretch. He seemed to all take it in, in good fun. And, and for a while there, I actually felt bad for Tom Brady. Rex, I did not think that I was capable of feeling that emotion. And yet I did. I mean, to see the GOAT in one sport completely be, be humanized and at times embarrassed was, was actually refreshing to see. And it was, I thought it was a pretty good show. But, but Tom Brady, to me, was the, was the star of the show for, for both good and bad. It's amazing. Like in what universe, and I'm with you, I put this down on my pad as I'm watching, in what universe do you feel sorry for Tom Brady, the greatest player of all time, arguably, married to a model, has the perfect life, and is getting paid millions of dollars, and you're right. I was actually watching that cringing on Sunday because I have been in that position too many times to count where you simply don't have a swing and you have to carry on. The difference is I don't have to do it in front of a – of an audience of millions and millions of viewers. So I did, I think, I think there were a couple of highlights for me. One, and I don't want to say this lightly, if anybody needed a break, I mean, the pandemic hasn't been good for anyone involved, but if anyone needed a break, it was clearly Tiger Woods. I mean, if we go back to the time when we stopped playing at the Players' Championship, we had no idea what we were going to get out of Tiger because he hadn't played three events that he normally played. He's been talking about his body wasn't cooperating talking about trying to get ready to defend at Augusta. Things were not headed in the right direction, and he put on a stripe show. He absolutely did. I, I wrote the same thing in a column yesterday on golfchannel.com. There is no player on the planet who benefited more from this three-month break. I thought he swung freely with, riz, with rhythm and, and grace, and, and I was at Riviera the last time we saw him three months ago where he was laboring through that golf tournament, finished last, among those who made the who made the cut, and you just wondered, boy, what's what's going on here? All he would really say was that his back was tight, and then he didn't show up in Mexico, and then he didn't show up at the Honda, and then he didn't show up at, at Bay Hill, and then the Players Championship, the fifth major in golf, he was not there. He was clearly trying to buy time for Augusta, and then what happens? The pandemic hits, golf is shut down for three to four months, and Tiger Woods has emerged from that time, really. It, apparently in, in good health and, and certainly his, his swing was on, he had every fairway and, and look medalist is not uh wing foot tight. It, it wasn't, it wasn't particularly penal unless you're, you're Tom Brady and Phil uh, who seemed to find parts of that golf course that, that few actually knew existed, but 
he's transitioned now into a, a pretty straight driver. That was the case that we saw earlier this year at Torrey Pines, and that was on display at Medalist. He has that little power fade that he knows is going to find the fairway, and from there he can rely on his on his iron play, which is still the best in the world. All right, well, transition to a, a better driver. I'll give you that. He is not turning into Fred Funk. Let's don't get crazy. We, I still want to see him on a golf course. It's not his home course. Uh, I wrote yesterday that if they played major championships at the medalist tiger would have won 40 by now because clearly he knows that golf course and can play that golf course better than anyone maybe on the planet that being said the body of work is clear here when it comes to tiger woods if he is healthy and he can do the little things at home and practice and work out and do all those things that make him tiger woods he can still do amazing things on the golf course we saw it last year at augusta saw it in japan saw it two years ago at east lake he can go on and on if he's not which is where we were really before the pandemic he's going to struggle he looks human he looks frail even sometimes and the fact that he was able to use these last two and a half months to bounce back and look sharp coming off of and look this was back to back charity match weeks i mean we had the tailor-made driver for relief at seminole the week before and i think you and i talked about this in last week's podcast there was rust. I mean, one of the things we're, we learned, the takeaways is that when the tour gets started again at Colonial, don't expect the guy's best golf. And that was certainly the case for Phil. I mean, because he was another guy who was struggling when the pandemic hit and he doesn't seem to have turned things around the way Tiger did. Tiger looks like he's going to show up wherever it is, thinking Memorial, and he's going to be on top of his game. Yeah, I mean, Tiger's success obviously d- depends on his body. But but to me, it also, you have to look at his putting and, and that, that charity match. Uh, over the weekend was not the the best, you know. That's not Exhibit A for what we should expect with with Tiger. You know, when he when he's actually focusing on on read and speed and, and putting in practice rounds uh, at a tournament site with with tournament speed, he's going to be a little bit more dialed in than than he would be uh, in a charity bench. But if you look at his stats over the past couple of years, that's where you could have a little a little bit of a warning sign. At, at Augusta, he putted well. At the Tour Championship, he putted great. Uh, at the Zozo, he was he was lights out. Though that area needs to be above average for for him to still win on the PGA Tour, regardless of of where he's driving it and where his iron play is, it it all is going to come down to putting. And forty four year olds tend to putt worse as they continue into the career. So I I think that's something to to monitor as well. And and Rex, you you brought up the schedule. I think that's where we have to look at from here. It's 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 nice to actually have this problem again where we can we can debate where Tiger where we're going to see him play. This feels like j- just like old times. And, and so I think it, it brings up that age-old debate of, for Tigers, how many reps is enough? You know, I don't, personally, I don't think he can just play six to eight times a year and be successful. When you look at, at what he did prior to winning the Masters in 2019, he had five tune-up starts over the first couple months of the season. I, do you think that, A, the first event we'll see him is Memorial, and B, he can get away with just playing once or twice before the PJ Championship in early August. I think that's the reality. And I think even if we would not have run into the pandemic, that would have been the reality. I remember having this conversation with Noda McGay during this podcast last year and asking going forward, does he envision a schedule of 16, 17 events for Tiger Woods or something closer to 12 or 13? And he said 12 or 13. And when you start looking at the way this was going to pan out, and clearly something was wrong. I mean, we can sit and say if he's going to miss Bay Hill, if he's going to miss the fifth major, if he's going to miss all these these events that he normally plays, big events, that, yes, something is clearly wrong in this situation. However, I, I think we shouldn't expect him to play. He's not going to be a colonial. 
I mean, that's just not going to happen. And I don't which see is, him in which Harbor is a Town. shame because I actually think his game is is better suited now for Colonial than it's ever been. And Harbor Town. I mean, they, both yeah. those golf courses for the game he's playing now, whether if he wants to admit which is, it, which is precision based, yeah, exactly, are, are absolutely tailor made for him. Even especially if some wind comes up at Colonial, that's always going to happen in Texas, and certainly it happens along the shore in South Carolina in Hilton Head. But I think Memorial is the obvious choice, and then you start kind of going forward and you start picking apart where he could play next, and the WGC in Memphis would be the next option. And then you, you go straight into the PGA championship. So I don't see him p- playing more than three or four times before the start of the playoffs. So you, so you honestly think that he, he played this charity match in, in late May, he's going to take another month and a half off before he gets back and, and starts at Memorial. And the only reason I ask, and I, I, I tend to agree with you, Rex, because you look at these first eight events on the schedule, the upcoming restarted PGA tour schedule, Seven of those events, Rex, he's either not played before or he hasn't played them in at least 20 years or he's never played them at that venue. I mean, is Tiger at this stage of his career, knowing that reps need to be limited, knowing that, yes, a regular season title to to get the all-time wins record would be nice, but he's focused on the majors. I'm not so sure that he's going to be willing to to show up at the Travelers Championship, which is going to have a very good feel this year. It's hard to – he's certainly not going to play the Rocket Mortgage after what happened with the previous sponsor. He's not going to show up at the Deer. Um, I mean, it's it's just hard for me to believe that he would take another month and a half off before you get to the Memorial. But, but that's what we're looking at. And then he'd be playing, what, three times in a four-week span? Yeah. If you include the FedEx uh, St. Jude Invitational, which – which leads right into the PGA Championship. That'd be three starts in four weeks. To me, that seems like too many. Well, and, and I wanted to get into this later in, in the podcast, talking about some of the concerns that are starting to bubble up, and we should have expected these. I mean, Adam Scott uh, we talked about it this week, about not feeling completely comfortable with the tour's health and safety plan. feels like there's some gaps in there. So if you're Tiger Woods, and I have heard this from other players, that let's take the Tra- Travelers Championship, for example. That's in Connecticut, but I have had players tell me that that's close enough to New York City, which is still, as we know, a hotbed for them actually put a question mark on their schedule. I mean, they would normally play Travelers, but not this year. Detroit is the exact same scenario for a lot of different players. And the idea here is because in the new reality, they're not going to put themselves in a situation that's more dangerous than what they're already putting themselves in. And if you're Tiger Woods, I think that even goes doubly, simply because you weren't going to play it anyway. Why suddenly add it just because you feel like you need to, because you need to get some sort of reps. I don't think he's at that stage in his career anymore. Yeah, you make a you make a good point. Connecticut was one of the last states to to open up here. They they've still been dealing with with a with a number of cases there. And, and you're exactly right in the sense that is Tiger going to be willing to endure this new cloister tour reality with all the protocols that are going to be placed and and hurting from from tournament to tournament, city to city, going back to the the host hotel is is the one of the most famous athletes in sports. Is he going to be willing? to be in a host hotel with his PJ tour brethren and, and the caddies and, and, and be subjected to this and, and wow, playing in front of, of no fans and serious disdain in your voice when you said caddies. Wow. Easy, man. <laughs> no, I, but, but look, Tiger Woods does not stay in host hotels. He's one of the most wow. famous people on the planet. You think he's just uh, going to be, you think he's just going to be saddling up at the, at the Marriott? 
I mean, the way you're getting, saying you're saying this, like service? he doesn't stay in stay in a host hotel, like you know, they're staying in like you us, know, a, like, a, a like, motel. Us in the, like us in the media. We are we are very familiar with host hotels, Rex. Wait, yes, we but all, it, we the all, reason behind that is there. We all go in there. We check in. We see who's in the we see who's in the hotel bar. If we want to talk to them, we do. If not, we keep our head down and rush to the hotel and, and push you know level level five as as quick as we can, so we can avoid them at all costs. You think Tiger Woods? is going to be subjecting himself like to that on a weekly basis. You're, you're kind of opening the curtain here a little bit too much. I don't think anyone wants to hear about our nightly eating and hiding habits. Uh, but I, I think you don't misinterpret what Tiger does when you talk about a host hotel. It's not because he doesn't like the thread count and the sheets at whatever the host hotel is. It's because he wants to be away from all the hubbub. He wants to be out yes. of the spotlight. He wants his privacy. These hotels, being host hotels, by definition, are going to be outside the spotlight. You and I aren't going to be staying there. There aren't going to be cameras there. There aren't going to be fans there. This is going to be inside the bubble. So, yes, I think on some level he will understand that whatever the host hotel is and let's say Memorial, that's going to essentially be a hotel on lockdown with just the people who are in his universe anyway. So, yeah, I could see him doing that. Now, he's not getting on the charter, which I wanted to talk about a little bit. I mean, look, he's got Air Tiger, so that that's fair. And I don't think those are the issues. I think the bigger issue is – when he looks at his schedule from 30,000 feet every year at this stage in his career, he's simply not playing 15, 16, 17 events. And especially now that the tour is going to be off essentially for three months, I can expect him again. If he gets four starts before the start of the playoffs, I think that's perfect in his mind. Yeah. It's just, it's just going to be so interesting because at, at the Zozo, he was off for what, two or three months. And then he shows up there and, and looks as good as ever, but the masters, he needed a bunch of tune-ups, starts to be able to get that draw going and, and to win at Augusta National. So I think we don't quite have evidence of what actually works for Tiger. I think that's why he's a little bit uncertain himself for what his schedule should look like because he just doesn't know. He doesn't know if eight to 12 tournaments a year is going to be enough or what his practice needs to look like away, away from actual competition to get ready for tournament play. So I think he's, he's adjusting just like everybody else. It is going to be interesting to see, I think, if he does add a start before Memorial, what it would be. Because it to me, Rex, three starts in four weeks seems like a little bit too much heading into August and September, which are going to be extremely busy. But I, I want to I transition to, into something that, that you wrote for GolfChannel.com uh, over the weekend. And it's, it's what we've learned now over these past two charity matches. It was the first time golf's been on TV since the Players' Championship. What was your big takeaway from, from what we've seen and, and perhaps what we can – you know, kind of be useful information as we, as we move forward with eyes on that restart June 11th at Colonial. I uh, touched on a couple of those things that, that TW needed the break and he, he made it work to his advantage that Phil is still searching. And I think that was obvious in the way he played. I, I think he actually had a little bit too much pressure on himself. The one takeaway that I was shocked at is Justin Thomas is going to be maybe the best announcer in the business in 20 or 25 years, whenever he's done with his hall of fame career, because he showed up on a rainy day with a lot of challenges a lot of social distancing issues, never having, having put a headset on and walked the golf course on that side, on the media side, on the announcer side, and did a brilliant job. And I don't know who I would want more, Charles Barkley or JT. I think I would rather have both of them on every broadcast going forward. Yeah, he was, he was excellent. He was, he was so natural. And I, I really thought that, that they put him in a position to succeed as well. Obviously, he, he knew all four of those athletes. He knew the gold standard for broadcasting, which is short question, long answer. 
he picked that up right away. He, he was able to get Phil to talk about what he was thinking heading into a pitch. I thought that was one of the, the seminal moments of the entire match. I thought his, his banter was good. He was very concise, which is what you want on on course reporter. I, I'm, I totally agree with you. Whenever he decides to hang up his spikes in 20 to 25 years, he's going to have his pick of, of what network he wants to work for. Um, to me, one of the big things that, that, that I learned in addition to all those things, which I agree with is, is just how big it's going to be with how different the vibe is without fans on site. And they're not going to have fans on site for at least the first four PJ tour events. And I think it's, it's safe to say perhaps for the foreseeable future, even longer than that. And, and the players are going to have to bring the entertainment. I thought that's what was previewed in, in this match too, which was more chatter between the players. Players are going to have to show more portion, more personality because the on-site buzz is going to be non-existent for them to make this a TV product that fans are going to actually enjoy. Players are going to have to come out of their shells a little bit and interact a little bit more show, show more personality because they're not going to be able to feed off that energy from the crowd. Some players are going to thrive in that environment. I think Phil would certainly thrive in that environment. And some players are really going to struggle. Rory and, and Brooks have mentioned that on occasion that they're going to have to create their own energy somehow. So I think that's one of the big takeaways for me, Rex over these past two weeks is just how different it's going to be and feel without fans on site. We've only seen glimpses of it over the past couple of years. And it's been mostly because of, of weather related issues, but for this new normal on the PJ tour for at least the first four weeks, it's going to look and feel different. And I think the onus is on the players to make this a entertaining TV product. You're back in the flower room today, aren't you? I am back in the, in the flower room, but the video is off. I did not want to give you the pleasure did not want to give you the pleasure of seeing me in here. No, but I could tell because your energy is different. Not better, not worse. Just different when you're just in the flower. Room. I, I think there's a there's a calming element to it. Usually when you're in your office, you kind of come with an edge. You got that big Georgia sign behind you. I think you think you're between the hedges. You, you want to hit hard. You want to run hard. Intensity. When you're in the flower room, I think there's a little bit more relaxation, more bigger picture stuff. Little little zen, a little zen. Yeah, no, you got a good handle on yourself. And uh, to add to your point, though, as far as takeaways and before we move on, uh, one of the things, and I totally agree with you, it, this is going to have, there's going to have to be an EE now on the PGA Tour, and that's entertainment, because the crowd isn't there anymore to do it. And I think there will be an element of that, where we're going to be able to hear interaction between players, between caddies now. Hey, we're going to hear the interaction between players and rules officials now, because no one else is out there. We're, we're going to have a front row seat. There's sort of a voyeuristic nod to this that I think we're going to get an opportunity to see an element of the game that we really haven't seen that much in the past but the other part of it is and I saw we saw it in back-to-back weeks so for Rory and DJ when they won it was the air five and then when for for Tom and Phil when when they made eagle on, on the 11th hole it was kind of an awkward no five I think Tom wanted to step in and Phil realized halfway over that nope this is a bad idea we're gonna have to kind of control ourselves here there's gonna be a lot of that and it's like one of the awkward moments that stood out to me early was when Peyton Manning uh, duck hooked one into a bush and Tiger, you know, in it's natural. I totally get it. Walked up, grabbed Peyton's driver, showed him how to take the drop and walked away. It's natural. Oh, yeah. We all do it. And immediately, but immediately now in this age that we live in, I don't know if my mind immediately went to uh, Tiger shouldn't have touched his club. Yes. Like, well, like it's the worst week, thing that could have happened. One week later, one week later, and we're already starting to see some relaxation with some of those social distancing guidelines on the golf course. One week later, grabbing each other's clubs, throwing balls to each other, wanting to go in for high fives. Tom Brady 
at the at the end of the match caught himself when he when he went out tried to extend his his hand for a high five and oh then you go for a fist bump like you're you're gonna just start to see this because we're all living through this and it's all getting a little bit more comfortable even if the data doesn't necessarily uh, support that it should be just in one week from the tailor-made driving relief in which players were scared to get within 10 feet of each other to then you had a whole lot more interaction between the players at medalists. I thought that was a really interesting type of transition just over seven days. And so it's easy to see how on the PGA tour, the first week, I think everyone's going to have, you know, kind of their, 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 their detectors up and, and want to make sure that they're doing everything by the book. Cause they know the world is watching, waiting for them to screw up, waiting for them to do something that would uh, be counter to these CDC guidelines. And then maybe things start to ease up in weeks two, three, and four without fans. And maybe the television viewership starts to die down because people are, are getting back to their normal lives. And, and so I think that first week, Rex, you're going to be there at Colonial. I'm hoping to be there as well. I think everyone's going to be on edge that first week. And then just like it was in these two matches, things are just going to start to relax a little bit. I think that's where the potential for, for danger lies. So you're telling me by the time I get to Hilton Head, I'll, I'll be high five and, and, and doing everything that we normally do. Maybe not Hilton Head, but when you make your first appearance at the John Deere Classic, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what the PJ Tour looks like then. I would be as well. I, one of the things that did come up this week that, in, again, looking forward to, to what life might be like when the tour does get started, by and large, the support for the tour's health and safety plan has been universal. You talk to most players, you've done it, I've done it. They all seem to be supportive. It's exhaustive. I think there's going to be adjustments to it as we move along. They want to play. And they want to play. There have been exceptions, though, and mostly those exceptions have been from international players. I know Lee Westwood and Tommy Fleetwood talked about this last week about having to give up two weeks of their life for quarantine to come over and play for two weeks and then another quarantine to go back, and it would be very difficult for them. Now, Homeland Security released those – uh, some of those restrictions last week on specifically professional golfers coming over. So that's going to help. Adam Scott, though, actually went straight to this health and safety plan and said he wasn't happy with some of the elements of it. That He didn't feel like that the bubble that we've talked about is going to be tight enough. He didn't feel like there was enough testing. He didn't feel like the tour had gone far enough. Are we going to see anybody else along this lines of Adam Scott, or is he the outlier here? I think Adam Scott's the outlier, just like he was the outlier with, with the Olympics this year before it got postponed to 2021. He was one of the only voices who is still having opposition to the Olympics. Almost every other player, yes, DJ didn't want to do it, and, and Brooks is kind of on the fence. Almost every other player universally said, yep, can't, can't wait to be in Tokyo. It'd be an honor to make that team. Can't wait to do it. And Adam Scott was kind of that lone dissenting voice of, nah, not interested. Someone else can go. Perfect they don't really want you there. So I, I do think, I do think Adam Scott is, is, is going to want to be one of the, the few voices here. And you, you did mention the, the plight that these international players are going to have. And it extends to the caddies as well. Rex Roy, Roy McIlroy uh, came out earlier this week, for the BBC and just kind of outlined what his caddy, Harry diamond has to do just so he can be on the bag for Rory's three events. So right now, Harry diamond flew to the U S and is staying in Rory's guest house. In South Florida, he has to quarantine there for 14 days per the government guidelines. Then they're going to be on the road starting in Texas for a three-tournament stretch where they're going to play Colonial, they're going to play Harbortown, then they're going to play the Travelers Championship. And then Harry Diamond is planning to go back home to the UK. And to do so, per government guidelines, he's going to have to quarantine again for 14 days. And so if he wants to be on the bag for 
with Rory at the Memorial, which is a week later after the Travelers Championship, he can't go back home because he won't make it back in time in terms of how he's going to have to self-isolate for 14 days and then get, get back to the U.S. So it's going to be a little bit interesting. I'm not sure if he's just going to take up residence in Rory's guest house to just get through this, this certain part of the season. I'm, I'm sure Rory and, and others and international players and caddies are hoping that some of these restrictions are going to be relaxed by then. I mean, we're looking six to eight weeks down the line. You would hope some of the testing that, that these countries have in place, including here in the United States, that those restrictions can be relaxed, but that is just the plate. That's just one example of what Harry diamond is going to have to do. What would ordinarily be a three week journey instead is going to be a seven week process just to be on the bag for three tournaments. So I think it's, yeah. it's a very real problem until the government's kind of relax these restrictions. No, I, I agree entirely. And look, these, these were personal decisions and now, you know, it's easy in retrospect to see it. And I only bring this up because I was talking with Francesco Molinari's swing coach last week. And he was saying, Francesco went home to London and he wanted to be with his family, which is certainly understandable, but London in the UK, their stay at home was, was much more strict than it was just speaking here in Florida where we've been playing golf all along. And when I was talking about Francesco coming back, his swing coach goes, he's been chipping in, in the backyard. Like he's been playing garden golf. Like he hasn't been practicing. He's not ready to come back to the PGA tour. And so if you start putting these things in context, yeah, I mean, they're going to be really, really far behind some players, Tiger Woods, who we just talked about. He looks so good because it's clear he's been standing at his house on his range at home, hitting balls and a, working on a, his He has game. a backyard golf course. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was very, very easy for him. And this is what he naturally does. So for him, it was, wow, I've got three months to really work on things, which he really has never had, at least since he's turned professional. Now, the other side of this coin is Rafa Cabrera Bella, who, when everything shut down at the Players' Championship, he had a decision to make if he was going to go home to Italy. And he chose to stay in Ponte Vedra. So he has been playing TPC Sawgrass every day since then. So I'm not trying to put the blame on a player like Francesco Molinari. I'm not trying to be a victim blamer here, but you're a professional golfer and you made the choice and you knew that there might be repercussions to that. You knew that might cause an issue down the line for Harry Diamond as well. And I like Harry a lot and I understand his desire to go home, but he could have stayed here. He could have, but don't they only have six months? I mean, there's, oh, I there's, mean certain, I there's, certain, there's certain limits you can stay without residence. No, absolutely. But I mean, I think in these times, I don't know that the government's that's, going to be watching yeah, everything not, you that's do. That's probably not their most pressing concern. I think I think the point you're trying to make, Rex, is that the European Ryder Cup team has absolutely zero chance if this thing goes off as scheduled in late September. They have absolutely no chance. These players haven't been practicing. They haven't been playing. They haven't been playing tournament golf. The European Tour is not going to restart until late July. These guys have no chance, right? Is that the point you're making? That was not my point. My my point was oh, that, yes, must they're, have, they're, must have misunderstood you. Yeah, no, we, we, can, we can talk Ryder Cup again. I think we've... Well, you're still in agreement that we're not sure if the Ryder Cup should be played without fans. That's a wholly it different conversation. Uh, I don't know. I don't know after watching this weekend's match. But again, a different conversation. The point I'm, I'm trying to make is, as professional golfers, you're going to have to make tough decisions. As a member of the media, you and I are going to have to make tough decisions to get on a plane, to fly to Fort Worth, to do our jobs. And I think we're both in agreement. We both want to do that. But yeah. I certainly understand how why Francesco, in this particular example, wanted to go home to be with his family. But there were going to be problems. And I think he understood that even before, long before he got on that plane to leave Ponte Vedra to fly home to London, that this was probably going to impact at least his year. 
Yeah, Eddie, Eddie Pepperell's already pulled out of the PJ Championship. It doesn't sound like Lee Westwood's going to be there as well. You're going to have some some WDs in, in, in DNSs just because guys either don't want to make the sacrifice to come to the States just for one week, knowing that there's going to be, what, a four-week quarantine on either side unless some restrictions uh, get, get relaxed. To them, it's just not going to be worth it. You're just going to chuck 2020 up to a lost year in the majors. That's that's okay. That's a personal choice. But 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 look, some some tough decisions are going to be coming down the line here uh, for Tommy Fleetwood and others. All right. Before we get out of here, I had one more question. Now we're coming off back-to-back matches and consecutive Sundays of live golf, which kept us entertained for an entire Sunday afternoon, which I cannot tell you how happy I was with that. Going forward, if you could pick some sort of combination of what we saw over the last two weeks, what's the next match? Uh, next match in terms of Tiger, Phil versus others, or any any four players, any combination of what we saw over the last two weeks. I'm I'm torn because I think I think Tiger has to be involved because he's he's the biggest star. He's why people want to tune in. He's obviously f- so fun to watch play golf. Except he sticks out so much in these types of gab gab fest. Like he's so woefully out of place in terms that he's not a very good trash talker. He's not a very good storyteller. Like the, the entertainment value of Tiger Woods interacting with his peers just isn't there. And so I'm a little bit conflicted on that because Phil, to me, Phil, it has to be an absolute staple. He's, he's absolutely made for these types of events. I actually would have included on course reporter, Justin Thomas playing. He, he, he delivers the the shtick as, as well as anybody. And then I'd throw in Brooks just because his DJAF factor uh, is so high. I think he was clearly itching to get involved. Yes, he has the, the, the wheels up connection, which is why he was involved with the, with the telecast and he made the very charitable donation. Uh, but you could just tell that he was itching to get out there with Brady and Manning and, and Phil and Tiger as well, just to, just to mix it up. So I think, I think I would include, I would swap out the QBs and I would, I would put in JT in Brooks to me that would up the intensity a little bit I don't know and th- that's a really good point and it, and I was thinking the same thing with Tiger Woods I understand we all want to see Tiger play he no ha- matter what I, he, he has to be involved but like it's not maybe great as an on-course reporter maybe, maybe we switch his role up a little bit because you're right this does not seem to sit his fit his mo and I, I covered the match when he was in Vegas two years ago and it was just he and Phil and it was the same demeanor and I think what we've come to understand is when he's on the golf course and he's competing, he's really just not a chatty fellow. It's just mm. not in his makeup. So I think I it would still want to have him involved. Maybe he, you can pick him on whatever par three you want to hit the shot. I, I don't know how you would figure it out, but you still have him involved. But like listening just based to the personalities that have been on display over the last few weeks, I would love to see Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley against Rory and Pey- Peyton Manning, simply because from a personality standpoint, that would be so entertaining in my mind. You would get very very good golf between Rory and Phil or some level of that and then you would get this terrible golf which in retrospect it's like again it was very voyeuristic I wanted to see Peyton Manning try to hit out from underneath that bush because I've tried to do it a thousand times Peyton Manning actually surprised me with how good what was he a six handicap I I didn't even I like I said and I we had talked about this in the last couple weeks I had watched him play 18 holes of a pro-am last year in Ohio when he was playing with Tiger and I did not imagine how he could have shot 130 anywhere in the world because he couldn't hit anything and he has worked hard on his game over the last 12 months or he just had a terribly off day 
Great Keep Tiger, in mind, which is turn, tournament golf is a lot different than recreational golf. I can, I can put a, I can put up a number low seventies in regular golf. You put cameras on me, you put 6.5 million viewers watching at home. You put me on a difficult golf course, like medalist. I'm probably going to struggle. I think that's, that's what we saw highlighted was the, was the huge difference between guys are used to tournament golf and guys are used to, to recreational golf. To me, Peyton Manning actually stood up pretty well. I mean, the shots that he hit down the stretch, especially on that late par three, it's incredible. Incredible. Right, according to according to Cassie's a six point four index. I don't see that go. either. However, I think you're right. Uh, I would not, uh, and I would agree with you. I'm not breaking a million with cameras on me. I I, I played in one pro am once in my entire career. Didn't want to do it. Felt uncomfortable doing it. It was at Sea Island. Uh, of course, it Charles was. Howell, Charles Howell the third was my pro, who is someone that I've covered for oh, a long time perfect. since he was in college. And I have never felt more nervous or more uncomfortable in my entire life. Not on a golf course, just anywhere in my entire life. I was on the back of the tee box and I'm kind of fiddling with my grip. And Charles walks up and asks me, what's the matter? And I honestly could not remember if I overlap or interlocked my grip. <laughs> does, does, Charles, does Charles look at you different now? Knowing, knowing, knowing what he knows, have, having seen you for 18 holes? Yeah, yeah, they, they they all do, and that that's always the drawback. That's why you don't let it's two worlds colliding. I don't know about you. you I, I don't want to play golf. Yeah, I, like would you want to play? Matthew Wolf is your boy. Would you want to play golf with him? Absolutely. I want to play no golf with PJ Tour golfers. I I know how good they are. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I don't want them to think less of me. To me, that's just an experience I would want to avoid at all costs. It, you're right, and and it should. I mean, I don't want to see a PGA Tour golfer sitting at a laptop trying to do what we do, and I certainly oh, don't want painful. them watching me trying to yeah trying to hit a trying to hit a wet shot. It's just not something that I ever want to do. All right, and then Kaz, I also added, he wants to see Barkley and Larry the Cable Guy. I think Kaz. I don't want to see Larry the Cable Guy do anything anymore. I'm I'm so over him. You're done. I'm done with him. I I, I agree wow. with Charles. I actually I actually thought Charles was a, was a, a vastly improved uh, golf announcer as well. I mean, he's he's clearly been been practicing his craft over the last two years. I thought he was dreadful during the first one in Vegas. He he picked his spot so well as a golf announcer. I'm not sure I actually want to see him play golf. I'd rather have him in the booth again. I thought he was terrific. Uh, no, I think we could do both though. You mic him up. I mean, the way they were, I I think you could almost play golf in this particular scenario and just let you know you have to have someone directing the traffic, but just lay out for the entire match and let the narration come from the players themselves and just don't want you want to see Barkley slap it around for 18 holes well I want him paired with a, a PGA tour player and maybe we don't do alternate shot because that seemed to put a lot of pressure on everyone involved but in you know yes I want to see them go out and, and slap it around but I also want to see some decent golf how about Tiger and MJ versus Rory and Barkley uh, yeah I just saw that cast in through um yeah I, I'd want to see that Again, this goes to the idea that Tiger just wouldn't wouldn't engage. No, I mean Tiger's mic would probably have to be turned off, or it'd be rendered useless anyway. But the three of them would be engaging nonetheless. Although the U.S. Open medal to Marcus Golfball was uh, that was the highlight. Yes, that was that was one of the few bright spots for for Tiger's on uh, on course cheekiness. <laughs> All right, uh, we can look forward to the next match. Yeah, send in your. Uh, recommendations your thoughts to at ryan lavner gc and uh, that'll do it for this golf central podcast presented by TaylorMade. he's lab i'm rex we'll see you next week
life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.